Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 33 through 40 of Blood of Olympus. All right, well, this is coming a couple weeks late because of whenever we decide to, not decide, whenever this is released. But this is fresh to us, but a new Percy Jackson book just got announced. It's going to be in the works. You know, it wasn't what I was, it wasn't on my 2022 bingo card, you know? No. It's not expecting that. Um, It's going to be interesting. Rick has said the premise is Percy's trying to get letters of recommendation from the (laughs) gods. It's, I was telling Aaron this, it's going to be really odd to be 26 27 it's gonna be tw- we're gonna be 27 when this book comes out don't bring and that up <laughs> don't tell me that that's that's really old by the way <laughs> i'm actually still 19 thank you actually i wouldn't i wouldn't want to still be 19 that's no not no i'm no. good <laughs> but percy was last 17 when i was like 18 yeah. And so the fact he's still, like, 17 is <laughs> wild to me. Again, he's immortal. He's an Edward. He's forever in high school, except not anymore, because he's getting his letters of rec in. Why does he need to ask them for letters of rec? I think I saw, like, a list online that was, like, first of all, Poseidon should give him a letter of rec, because, you know, dad. Yeah. Um, Hermes should give him one because his son tried to kill him so many times. And he should get one from Hera because she, like, literally needed him to save the world. She yeah. wiped his memory. Like, the least she could do is write hard. some words. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you sent me a text post that was, like, the real reason Luke decided to overthrow Olympus is because he saw he had to get letters of wreck <laughs> from the gods. And he was like, no. Like, nah, man. What if we just destroy the whole system? What a concept. Even Percy is bound by by the laws of academia. <laughs> I know. We're going to be just doing this forever. We're going to have content till we die. I know. Is, you know, I'm so sorry for the people who actively listen to us. Like, you're never going to get rid of us. <laughs> Again, I, I tweeted, I was like, we're going to be like 40. I'll have a child named, like, Annabeth Grover. There'll be a guest star. Rick is writing a new book about Mer- Percy, like, paying off his mortgage or something and, like, going on a quest to get money. I don't know. <laughs> Rick's, like, still, like, I'm done with Percy. And then, surprise, actually, Percy is now 50 years old. <laughs> well, I would be surprised if he was, I have a feeling he's still going to be 17. He's going to be 20 by then, maybe, at most. He's going to, like, he's going to have his 21 run and it's going to be one of the <laughs> Percy has his 21 run, but he has to go to each of the gods to get a drink from each of them. God. Well, I mean, good for Rick. He's making his money. And I mean, I'm excited to read it because it'll be very nostalgic. Yes. Um, It's all what I expected. I could have done without it, but I'm also very excited for it. It's all, you know, lots of feelings around it. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like I haven't processed it because I was still very much like Percy is done. And I, I'll have to see what I think of the book to see if I think it was a good move to open that back up or not. Nah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're just going to be digesting different kinds of materials, not because he's changed his style. I doubt he's going to change anything of his style for Percy, but more of that we are now, like, getting close to 30 and we're going to be... <laughs> Like forever reading media. Percy Jackson. He's gonna start writing adult books. Actually, oh god, I don't want to. I don't want to know that. <laughs> I'd be like, no, Rick, please. <laughs> actually, you know, in those situations, it's better to imagine Percy is seventeen forever. I don't want to think about anything else. Yeah, we don't want Rick to move into adult literature, <laughs> <laughs> especially with the Greek gods. It starts getting no, a no. No, shady. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, All right. It's well, exciting. It seems like people are like shocked by this information. So I mean, excited to hear I more too. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. not expecting him to do that. He had very much put, he has said that Percy was 
done. He didn't want to keep bringing him up. He was, like, putting him to rest. Clearly, that is not the case, so. Yeah. He's like, I actually have been thinking about Percy every single day, and I could not let this go. Same. Same, Yeah, though. same. Yeah, yeah, same. I get it. Well, I mean, let's focus on Blood of Olympus for now, but this is exciting news. But this episode, we're talking about Leo and Reyna. Leo, Leo. <laughs> Leo gets to meet Artemis and Apollo, and he hatches a plan, and Reyna's going to become an official horse friend. I like that those four chapters are boiled down to becoming a horse friend. That's all about that main motivation for everything she does for the four chapters. Good for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. We got a lot of horse girls. Rick must mm-hmm. have a lot of horse girls in his life. Either Rick's a horse girl or maybe his wife is a horse girl, you know? Yeah, I have a feeling it's like his wife is a horse girl and he's just like, this is what women like. Yeah, women like-, like horses and witchcraft. And he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> are, which kind of girl are you? Are you a witchcraft girl or a horse girl? <laughs> I'm a witchcraft girl, personally. Same, same. The two genders are actually witchcraft and horse. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have the Leo chapters this time, chapters 33 through 36. So chapter 33, the team has now made it close to the island of Delos, where Apollo and Artemis allegedly are, and Leo immediately volunteers to go, which I thought Leo's just like in his mind, you know, like last time I went to an island, I got laid. So like I'm in, oh, I'm an island guy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says it to be, it's actually because he needs to talk to Apollo and Artemis about an idea that he has. Frank and Hazel go with him because I guess they're a thruple now. Mm-hmm. And they find the island deserted at first and wander around until they find an amphitheater carved into the hillside. There they spot Apollo sitting by himself on the stage playing the ukulele, (laughs) which I love. I love him. Sitting in the front row is a young girl who looked about 13, so that's Artemis in her child form. And Apollo's also appearing as like an older teen form, like 17. Probably how he appeared last to Talia in the third book when he drove that bus and she was Mm. like, he's hot. The gods are not surprised to see Leo, Frank, and Hazel there, and they just say, there you are, and Apollo continues playing a really sad song, and Leo asks them why they're hiding there, to which Artemis says that Delos is their birthplace, where they are unaffected by the Roman and Greek schism, the only place where they can be without pain. We then learn that Apollo was manipulated by Octavian, hence the rift with Zeus, why Apollo's on the, on the outs with Zeus, as Hera mentioned like a few chapters ago. He was misled by Gaia and his own son, Octavian, who filled his head with compliments and promised to make him the most important god of the Legion, even above Zeus. And mm-hmm. he like had been kind of like working with Octavian, but then Octavian went off and was like, I'm going to start a war, and Apollo was like, that's not the outcome I wanted. So Leo tells Apollo that he should just tell Octavian to back off, but Apollo says that now he can't. He's unable to help unless he steps off Delos, but if he steps off Delos, he's either incapacitated by the Greek-Roman schism, or he's gonna be smited, smote, I don't know, Hmm. by Zeus for what he did, or how he like wanted to be more powerful than Zeus. And on top of that, the Oracle of Delphi isn't in his control anymore. We learn that when the schism began, Gaia took advantage of the fact that the gods were confused and raised his old enemy Python, the Great Serpent, to repossess the Delphic Oracle and now is blocking all magical prophecies so he can't even like communicate to Octavian through prophecies, so now Octavian is able to just make up his own prophecies, Rachel's not getting prophecies anymore. Leo thinks to himself, though, that this is actually a good thing because he's like, prophecies kind of suck, but <laughs> like, all right, Apollo. Leo then fills them in on their plan. Well, what exists of it, which is basically just the breadcrumbs of Hera telling them to go to Delos and Nike describing the physician's cure and that they need to do- get that. Apollo says he cannot tell them the secret for the physician's cure because Zeus would even be more pissed off. Artemis and Paul. Why does Zeus have all of these rules? He's losing right? the war. Like, his granny is beating him at this war. Take all the help you can get. Imagine losing to a, a granny. Like, come yeah, on, Zeus. Um, your granny. Like, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> but he still has so much power. I don't oh get it. God, I don't get it. 
Artemis and Apollo then seem to have like a silent sibling argument using face expressions. And then Artemis um, says that she has to tell Hazel and Frank something about the 12th Legion and leaves Leo alone with Apollo to potentially strike a bargain for the secret of the physician's cure. So chapter 34. Leo's hands go to work before he even knows what he's planning. <laughs> that sounds really weird. <laughs> Cut that out, Sam. <laughs> no. How are you going to rephrase that? I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Leo starts tinkering with things in his tool belt. <laughs> oh, not his tool belt. <laughs> Knocked into um, my mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Leo starts playing with his tools. Um, so Leo starts building something before he even really knows what he's building. He's just kind of doing it while he talks to Apollo. He starts pulling things out of his tool belt and goads Apollo into helping him by saying that it would make a better ballad to aid um, Leo and the Seven in defeating Gaia and help save the world instead of just killing Leo. He's like, that wouldn't be a very good song. Leo asks Apollo if his plan will work then, which is a plan that we're not yet clued into. He It just says, like, Leo is kind of nervous about this plan. He asks Apollo what he thinks, and Apollo, to his surprise, says that it might work, and then asks what Leo has made in his hands. Leo says that it's, quote, the most amazing instrument ever, and to his surprise, with some manipulation of gears and lovers, it actually works. And it, from it comes the same wistful melody that Calypso had sung for him on Ogigia. He loses himself in the song and plays it the whole way through. And when he's finished, Apollo says that he must have the instrument. And then Leo names it the Valdezinator, which I was like, you ruined it. <laughs> this was like a pretty moment and you ruined it, Leo. <laughs> He says that he'll give Apollo the instrument in exchange for the physician's cure. And Apollo says, surprise, he doesn't actually have the cure, but his son, Asclepius, the god of healers, has it. Apollo says that he'll give Leo directions to Asclepius, and that, and he will give him the one ingredient for the cure that um, he'd have to get on the island of Delos, which is the curse of Delos, which is a daisy. When Apollo's mother, Leto's, was giving birth, Hera was angry because Zeus had cheated on her, and Leto was able to find sanctuary from Hera on Delos because of the nature spirits there, um, because Delos used to be this magical floating island, but once the twins were born, the daisies grew and the island became rooted in place and couldn't drift anymore. So they're like these beautiful yellow daisies, but they also represent the loss of the, the floaty magic on Delos. Mm. You know. So Leo gets the the daisy from Apollo and then is reunited with Hazel and Frank. And Leo decides to tell them his plan, the one he talked to Apollo about, and learn that it will work or it could work. But he doesn't tell us what this is. So we're kind of learning that this must be a big deal. Leo's planning to do something kind of crazy, something everyone might not approve of. But he's open. He's willing to tell it to Hazel and Frank because... They're his thruple. I don't know. Mm. We do learn that this plan must involve something sad, and it's pretty clear that it somehow involves Leo sacrificing himself, because after he finishes telling them, Hazel has a tear on her cheek and Frank sniffles, but they agree to help him. They all hug, and the other two are, like, crying, and Leo's like, this is kind of weird, but they agree to Leo's plan. A lot happens in these chapters. It's like, a lot, mm -hmm. a lot to get through, a lot going on. So chapter 35... They take the Argo II to the temple of the healing god Asclepius. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but it's I think you're close as, yeah, I, I Thank believe you. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. As someone oh. who can't actually read, I think you're correct. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I'm glad you, I have an expert here, expert yeah. union. Um, so he follows Apollo's directions to that temple. Using some weird kind of like grabber hand invention that he made, he opens the entrance the temple and hazel can immediately sense that there's some bad stuff at the bottom of the stairs but like they don't really have a choice and leo says because you know they've gotten no more information about what they should be doing so leo decides that himself piper and jason the og lost hero crew will take this one and they head down they're met at the bottom of the stairs with a giant statue of hygieia who is the daughter of Asclepius, so I guess the granddaughter of Apollo, who was mm -hmm. the goddess of good health. It's kind of interesting that, like, the 
the oldest children of the gods all like a lot of them also became gods but now like the current ones are just like <laughs> demigods of this camp like they don't get to be gods of anything it's kind of unfair i mean i think if they had if apollo if it's like depends on who the second parent is right it's like a mortal true. versus yeah a wood nymph you know that's true somehow the they magic still the manage parent. yeah mm-hmm. that's true um well, Hygieia is the goddess of, like, hygiene, basically. And Piper says that this place used to be where all the best medical professionals trained, but now the wall on the wall to the right of the statue reads the words, The doctor is incarcerated, now serving patient zero. So that's not looking so good. Jason suggests that they take a number anyways. It's kind of like a waiting room, an eternal waiting room, which is really honestly like a nightmare situation Mm -hmm. like that could be explored more as like a horror concept you know i mean that's have you seen beetlejuice yes you know how they basically the the waiting room yeah that's yes explored by tim burton yes okay Mm -hmm. now i have now that's a good visual for this i like that jason I already read that, yeah. So Jason says that they take a number anyways, but when they get close to the giant statue, she turns her head and asks if they have an appointment. She also asks for their insurance card, which I was like, aren't they in Europe? That does, that's so American of her. <laughs> I guess because the gods are like stationed in, in New York. So that's they still don't have health insurance, yeah. Yeah, the gods still don't have health insurance. Universal, yeah. In Europe, they would just treat you and be like, it's $10, or it doesn't cost anything. This feels <laughs> this feels inaccurate. And she then tells them that they're not sanitary enough, they don't have their insurance cards, you know, they're not super bathed, and she says they must be sanitized before they can proceed, which means getting killed by her snake. Leo, <laughs> Jason, and Piper fight Hygieia and her like golden snake leo realizes that the snake is a machine it's not a real snake so therefore the statue is also a machine he intuits it must be like powered by the same thing so he uses his power of engineering to reprogram the snake i know he leo and his he just engineers things it's funny to me because rick explains it and he's like he just you know, tinkered with some stuff, and I'm like, yeah, he sure. He just moved his hands. He has his tool yeah. belt. He has a screwdriver. What else do you need? It's always like he pulled some levers. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. okay. I'm not an engineer. I don't know. <laughs> um, so he reprograms the snake, and they break down Hygieia. Then they walk in to see the doctor. Chapter 36. Dr. Asclepius is a man with a kindly smile, salt and pepper hair, and a well-trimmed beard. Which I was like, is he hot? Maybe. Maybe. He looks like a normal doctor in a white coat, except he also has a black staff with a live green python coiled around it. And I had a fun fact here, which actually is in the book. It's not like my own fun fact, but this like the caduceus that we see on a lot of like medical buildings today with the snakes is supposed like it originates from Asclepius, not Hermes. But in like modern our culture, we just associate it with Hermes. But the Hermes has nothing to do with medicine. So I thought that was interesting that we actually get to see who who's the god that that is supposed to be associated with. So they tell Asclepius that they need the physician's cure. And to their surprise, he says he'd be glad to help. He hasn't had a patient in years and he's super excited to do some work. He leans forward and just starts examining Jason in front of everyone, which kind of feels like a little bit of a HIPAA violation here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he notes that Jason has the imperial gold sword wound. He also says Jason needs glasses and then gives him glasses. (laughs) Somehow this makes me like him more because no wonder he got knocked out so much. He literally couldn't see the bricks until they were in his face. That's so sad. He's basically <laughs> Velma from Scooby yes! Doo, but no one helped him. They just let him no pass out. No one realized when he was like, "What is that over there?" And they were like, "We're knocked what out. It's right in front of us." <laughs> <laughs> and then also, I wonder if uh, Doc's gonna give him an MRI because my man's gotten so Should. many concussions. Apparently, he didn't notice this. He just noticed mm. the wound. He didn't say anything about the head trauma, so... <laughs> hmm. Doctors, they don't spend enough time with you. Mm, for sure. 
He then examines Piper and says that she looks good other than some past injuries. And then he turns to Leo and just says, oh my, and looks super apologetic. Leo from this is like, you know, I think he can see, he can see the past injuries. He can probably see the future. Maybe he knows about my plan to sacrifice myself. So he tries to change the subject because he doesn't want Piper and Jason to know about this plan. They care about him too much, but apparently Hazel and Hazel and Frank don't. I don't know. No. He just trusts them. He has a different relationship with them and trusts them differently. And so he tries to change the subject and ask about the cure, even though Piper tries to press and is like, wait, what's wrong with Leo? That's concerning. Asclepius, though, doesn't say anything. Now he adheres to his HIPAA standards. And he mm -hmm. takes the daisy from Leo and the Mackay from Piper that she had been able to summon. And he creates the cure with the ingredients and puts it in this little vial for Leo. He tells them that the potion must be administered as soon as possible after death to work. There's only enough for one person and be careful with it because Hades sometimes, you know, gets mad that he is able to do this because you shouldn't be able to bring people back from the dead. So then they all head back to the ship and they agree as a team to have Piper hold on to the potion since she's the heart of the group. And Leo hands it off to Piper, but not without giving a significant look to Hazel, which tells us that some kind of magic is going on now, something, some part of their weird plan. And then later, when he goes down to the engine alone, we learn that he still actually has the vial, and the mist had tricked Piper into thinking she had it. He checks his ancient bronze astrolabe, now fitted with the crystal from Ogigia, and promises to himself that he will return to Calypso. He turns on the navigation device and then sets a timer for 24 hours and places it into the ship and then closes his eyes and lies down on the floor. Whew, so much happened there. And I also am like, they're still not fully filling us in on Leo's plan, which is an interesting writing choice. I feel like whenever books and movies do that, that means the plan's gonna work because it's supposed to yeah. keep the reader in the dark. So when the plan happens, I'm like, oh, there we go. Now it's going to work. When we know the plan fully, I'm like, something's going to go wrong. Yeah, that's so true. Like when we know the plan, it, it tells us to think of what can go wrong. But when we don't know it, we don't get a chance to like analyze what could go wrong. And we're more curious about what could go right. Yeah, it also gives us the possibility that maybe the narrator has thought of something that we haven't. And yeah. so there's more chance of survival and the plan going correctly. Whereas if we know all the details, we're like, well, <laughs> they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's interesting to reread when you like, I kind of like, I remember what the plan was. Mm -hmm. So it's I interesting don't. to read. <laughs> I remember pieces. It's interesting to read that and be like, oh, they actually don't. He doesn't actually tell the reader what the plan is. And yeah, it's cool. Um, of my notes in this, I said that Rick is really going hard in the Spanglish in this chapter. <laughs> it's a little bit, I, I ignored it my best, but Rick really Yikes. put in some random, like, Spanish words that Leo is just, like, saying to Jason and mm -hmm. stuff, and I'm like, that's not, okay. <laughs> um... I also thought that there were a lot of snakes in this, these chapters, and I was like, is Rick going through his reputation era? <laughs> oh man and, oh I also thought it was interesting that Asclepius can see like future wounds and I was like would you want to go to a doctor who could look no. at you and be like no you wouldn't absolutely not. No. are you kidding me immediately no because <laughs> like the way this world works is that prophecies and all the things that you can see in future are inevitable so I just be like mm. anxious about how I'm going to get stabbed because he sees a stab wound and I can't change it. If it was like, oh, I can change it. He sees a future wound and he can tell me about it. And I can be like, okay, so I won't be playing with the sword on Tuesday. I can move that to Wednesday <laughs> and I'm not going to get stabbed. And so that would be more useful. But the idea that I can't do anything about it is just adding anxiety for no reason. True. Yeah, I think I would be interested in it if it was a doctor that like had... Um, like a little sprinkle of prophetic power where they could say like, oh, I guess this is just genetic testing. They could say like, <laughs> oh, you're at risk of this disease. Make sure you do things to prevent it beforehand, which I guess yeah. kind of exists already. It just costs yeah. a lot of money. And also in that case, it's like, <laughs> it's like at least what you can do to prevent it. You're just like doing some preventative medicine. This is like, yeah. oh, 
I see you decapitated. I can't tell you any more information. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be so painful. But like, start wearing why like don't we give you a lollipop and a sticker? Yeah, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. I'd only want to go if it was like for preventative things and not things that are set in stone. Yeah, exactly. Um, my last comment on this is that I still I know that in this book they're kind of just following breadcrumbs of like what Hera told them, what Apollo told them, what um, Nike told them, but I still feel like the whole thing of PJO in this book has been like you can't cheat a prophecy, but they're trying to cheat the prophecy by having this potion that will save someone, um, either, you know, as presumably Jason or Leo, because to fire or storm, the world must fall. But they're trying to fight that. But then again, the prophecy doesn't say specifically, like, Jason or Leo will die. So it's not even set in stone. I don't know. No, they're really just doing it because Nike mentioned it once. Yeah. And so they've completely deviated their entire quest to go get this cure. Yeah. If I was Nike, I would have shouted something like, oh, you can't get the original Chips Ahoy recipe and see what happened. You know, you just send them on a wild, like a red herring. They're going to go spend all their time looking for that Chips Ahoy recipe and like the patent for it. And it's going to take such a long time. And Nike would have won. Victory is hers. What an interesting quest concept. Thank you. I think it'd be extra fun because it's so ridiculous, but they would think that it's important simply because it's so ridiculous. Only someone chaotic and psychotic could have come up with it. Leo still, like, sacrifices himself for the Chips Ahoy. (laughs) For the Chips Ahoy. (laughs) Think of the ballad that he would get from it, you know? Ooh, you're right. Apollo, Mm -hmm. songs for days for him. His haikus would be (laughs) popping. There are also quite a few, like, uh, things being established in this chapter with Apollo for, like, setting up the the whole premise of Trials of Apollo, which is fun. Hmm. Yeah. I, I still stand by my he's he's in trouble with Zeus and lost control of Delphi and yeah my so I bought the first book I haven't opened it yet but yes. I actually read the back of it which I've never done before oh, I had never wow. even seen this not like you have some synopsis of it now. I do so I see that Apollo for some reason becomes a teenager my guess is that <laughs> he's going to be a teenager but nobody's going to know that he's Apollo like he can't tell mm. people. That mm-hmm. I think it's revenge of Cassandra being like, <laughs> try Ooh. to speak, you know, your prophecies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one believes you, kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, I think he's going to be trying to do his trials, whatever they may be. <laughs> he goes on a trial. <laughs> goes on a trial. He actually has to represent himself in court. That's the entire <laughs> series against Zeus. <laughs> But that's my, my prediction. Um, I'm excited. I think we only have a couple more episodes left. I'm excited to read it and see how close. I I, I hope I'm close because that makes it more funny. I'm going to be right. wildly wrong though, aren't I? <laughs> I don't know. Time will tell. I feel like before you start the book, maybe for our like finale episode when we like do a recap or like give our feelings on all these books, we can have you like make random predictions about specific characters. Okay. Sounds good. Like, oh, what's gonna happen to Piper? What's gonna happen to <laughs> Jason? Gonna get hit in the head again? Mm, probably. Ooh, probably. Actually, glasses this time. Yes, so glasses. Like he so he shouldn't. Yeah, unless he doesn't do wear them. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't wear his glasses. Yes, his, his entire character arc is now that he's insecure about his glasses. <laughs> he doesn't want to wear them. <laughs> he actually goes and gets LASIK. That's a whole side <laughs> plot that happens. <laughs> That's one of the trials. <laughs> Get Jason some LASIK. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, let's get into Reina's chapters. I have Reina and chapters 37 through 40. So these chapters are a lot more intense than Leo's. No offense to Leo. Mm-hmm. But chapter 37, Reina and her crew are on the back of the Pegasi, and they are approaching Camp Half-Blood. Um, It's around dawn, and they see that the Roman army has set themselves up with siege weapons. 
they get any closer, they will be shot out of the sky. The biggest side take them out to the west side of camp. As they do, Reyna sees the amount of weaponry and soldiers that Octavian has managed to round up and bring to the fight. Nico tells the Pegasi to land on the deck of a yacht called Neomor because he's very confident that the Greeks control the sea and the Romans won't be able to really send anyone out there. The Pegasus, oh, sorry, not the Pegasus, but Lord Pegasus leaves. Pegasus and himself. Be- himself, the main dude. Basically, um, as he's getting ready to leave, Reyna has an internal moment where she's fangirling over him a little bit. And as he says goodbye, he actually tells Reyna through Hedge that he did not aid them because Hedge had requested it. Actually, Hedge has no sway or power in this situation, much to what we thought, like we thought earlier that the reason that they came to their aid was because of him. But instead, he's actually a massive fan of Reyna. He saw how much she had loved (laughs) her. He saw how much she had loved her own Pegasus and all she had done for him, even till the very end. Basically, she crown he crowns her an official horse friend, and for the rest of the like the next four chapters, it's like capital H, capital F, horse friend. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing, <laughs> incredible. Um, basically, he says that she is a good person, and all the Pegasus will trust her, and he leaves his children with her. They secure the yacht, making sure that nobody's there, but then they see the Legion has sent two speedboats with men to talk to them. Apparently Octavian has been busy and he's built a little navy in preparation for this war, so they have at least two speedboats. So we have Michael uh, Cahill, who is mentioned in previous chapters. Reyna has seen him through her dreams when she's spying on Octavian. He's Octavian's right-hand man because... Octavian is his sponsor, not really because he believes Octavian or even likes him. In fact, Reyna has seen through her dreams that he's not fully on board with Octavian's plans. He tells them that he wants to come aboard under Octavian's orders and arrest them and take the statue back to the Roman camp. Reyna tells Coach and Nico that they should let him on board and see if they can talk to him. She believes that they can negotiate some kind of peace. Michael, Leela, and Dakota, all whom Reyna describes as reasonable people, come on board and arrest them, quote-unquote. They all don't seem to be interested in the task at all, and Reyna pushes to see if they really believe Octavian has legal power. He's like, Do you, does he have any authority under your um, beliefs? And clearly no one thinks he does. There's a half-hearted fight between trigger-happy Coach and Michael, to which Michael just kind of knocks Coach aside quite easily, even though he doesn't really care to. And as that's happening, they hear Octavian's voice come from the other side of the boat. He says the crew took too long to arrest Reyna, so he's here himself to solve the problem. This kind of raises Reyna's suspicion, because she doesn't ever imagine Octavian being brave enough to put himself in actual harm's way and coming into the midst of battle. Um... It's also weird because Octavian asks them all to disarm, not just Reyna. And when they do, he comes on board. Reyna immediately notices that this man is way too tall and buff to be Octavian. (laughs) And and in fact, it's our boy Tyson with Ella on his back. Tyson easily just bops Michael on the head and Michael passes out. So like a lot packed into one chapter. Uh, Chapter 38, Tyson turns on... (laughs) I want to redo that one. (laughs) Basically, Tyson turns, turns towards Dakota and Layla, but Reyna tells them they actually aren't bad people, they're just following bad orders. Dakota and Layla say they actually were trying to take Michael down and clue Reyna in, but Tyson managed to get there first. Reyna decides to trust them, even though it's very convenient with their story, but she doesn't have the luxury of trying to pick, be picky about who she can trust. Reyna tells Coach to take Rainbow, our favorite hippocampus, Oh my gosh, Rainbow. Basically, when Tyson says, he's like, they're like, how did you get here, Tyson? He's like, oh, Rainbow. And Reyna's like, oh, he used the magic of rainbows to get here. They're like, no. It's this no. little seal thing. Yeah. Rainbow is like the MVP. Every I'm single like, time. He's managed to, managed to save them every single time. Every single yeah. series. At least once Does or twice. Does Rainbow get compensated? With friendship. I with Tyson's know. friendship. With friendship. Okay. Yeah. yeah. His name is Rainbow, so I feel like that's something that's very important to him. Yeah, yeah, friendship. Friendship. Like a care bear. <laughs> that's how I always imagine it. Just like rainbow shooting out of its ass as it flies over <laughs> or like swims over. Is that where the care bears shoot their rainbows? 
Is it not? I've never seen a Care Bear. It's how their tummies, they like point their tummies. Oh, that's better. I was traumatized by Care Bears by my sister. How? Oh, she just was really obsessed with them and I wanted to play Barbies and like, I would, I, I was, I played Barbies really weird. I would just spend like an hour making a list of all their names and backstories and then my sister would come down with her Care Bears and make them Care Bear stare my Barbies and like attack them and. I'd get really upset because I had my lists that I wanted to finish, you know? I'm so sorry for your trauma. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I've been personally hurt by Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, basically, Raina tells Coach to take Rainbow and go back to camp with Tyson and Ella, basically because his wife is in labor. And with Clarice. Also, <laughs> with Clarice. And also, Raina needs... Um, Coach to go tell them that Raina comes in peace so the Greeks don't fire on her. She says that she has about an hour before sunrise, and at that time she will fly the Athena Parthenos over Camp Half-Blood Hill as a peace offering. They will need to distract the Legion so they do not shoot her out of the sky as she moves, and so Nico gladly agrees to go with Layla and Dakota back to the Legion to start sabotaging the weapons. Reyna believes that once she can get the statue back to the Greeks, it will use its magic to protect not only itself, but all of them. She's like, there is magic trapped inside of this statue. We just have to access it. Nico and Reyna say their goodbyes, and Reyna stands by Blackjack, waiting for sunrise. Reyna thinks about her past, how she's betrayed so many of the values she was raised with to help the Greeks, and she wonders what her mother thinks about what she's done. Reyna prays to her mother for strength, to do what's right, and in that moment she sees something flash in the eastern horizon. She thinks that it's her mother answering her prayer, but no, it's just some sort of human running on the water. I was like, Jesus? This humanoid (laughs) figure shoots an arrow that immediately takes Blackjack down. The arrow also has a surprise bomb on it that's counting down five minutes. Great things happening for our girl. I love bombs with, like, countdowns. Like, they have to make it dramatic. Can't they just, like... And I feel like villains always have bombs and it's like 10 minutes and it's I like, know. well, now they have time to disarm it. <laughs> you idiot. It's like, yeah. the performance. And they do. They, they need to do their monologue, their little song and dance. And they yeah, need exactly. at least five minutes. That's like a good amount of time for a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly like a little, like he's cutting it a little close. I know. No he, time for an he, encore. <laughs> so cut the chorus short. Yeah. No bridge. <laughs> so chapter 39, basically, it's our favorite misogynist, Orion. He's mm. standing on the water with an arrow knocked and pointed at Reyna. He tells her not to move, and Reyna notices that he has new scars, probably from his fight with the hunters. Reyna cannot remove the arrow from Blackjack, who's still alive but really hurt, and the other, the other, the other pegasi are nervously trotting around. She asks Orion about her sister and Talia, to which Orion reveals, because, you know, they have five minutes until this bomb goes off so they can have time for discussion, that they are still alive, but he plans to kill them after he deals with Reyna. Reyna needs to concentrate. She realizes that in order to kill the giant, she needs the help of a god. Reyna thinks about how she was just praying to her mother right before Orion showed up, and she laughs. She says that her mother has answered her prayer. She doesn't fight Reyna's battles for her. Instead, she grants her opportunities to prove herself by giving her strong enemies and potential allies, which kind of gives me the same vibe as like, this will build your character when parents lock yeah. their kids out of the house. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not great, Reyna. Sorry. Mm-mm. Reyna says that her mother was also the goddess of trees, not just war, because Romans dealt with war differently than the Greeks. It's not just about, you know, hacking someone. It's also about building alliances and making Rome stronger. Here, her mother was giving her a chance to make peace with the Greeks and increase the strength of Rome. Reyna is confident that as she throws her knife, it will be guided by her mother and blessed and killed Orion. Orion is nervous, but he and he thinks that she's bluffing. He also makes some really lovely misogynistic remarks about killing girls who love to play war. He's like, I killed thousands of little girls. I'm like, oh, what a weird thing mm. to brag about, sir. Yeah, a, that's a weird brag. Yeah. Reyna hopes that the Pegasi somehow magically understand her intentions and they will take the statue to the hill without her. She tells the Athena Parthenos that it has been an honor being able to escort the goddess and then she throws her knife as the arrow counts down to its final second, then uses her cloak to try to shield Blackjack and the other Pegasi. 
As she waits to die, she notices that her cloak becomes somewhat worn, but no column of flames erupts. Athena's voice appears in her head and tells Reyna that she has blessed her with her Aegis, which is basically Athena's shield. Reyna's cloak is now woven with what looks like imperial gold. The statue's glow fades, and she turns her attention back to Orion, who has the knife in his chest. He pulls the knife out and exclaims that her plan didn't work, he did not die, that her knife was actually not blessed by a god, and therefore it did not kill him. Reyna uses this moment to then jump from the deck of the boat and makes an impossible leap onto the giant's back and uses her cloak to choke him. She recites the names of all the hunters and Amazons that he's killed and tells them that he will die by the hands of a girl. And then Orion dies. Oh, and then the way so he good. dies too, she does not let go. Even when he's like clearly dead, she keeps, you know, completing her mission. Damn. So cool. So cool. Orion's body and bow sink to the, into the ocean and Reyna swims back to the yacht. And I wanted to talk about... Um, a note really quickly here. Reyna notices the bow kind of lingers for a couple seconds because it's supposed to be a spoil of war, but she believes that Orion deserves not to be remembered. He deserves to be forgotten, mm -hmm. like all the other mean, horrible ghosts that haunt her. So she refuses to pick it up. She's like, I will never remember you. You deserve not to have a place in my mind. What a power move. What a power move. So chapter 40, Blackjack is spasming. His mouth is foaming. Raina quickly gets to work using the healing stuff from the bag Phoebe had given her. Slowly, Blackjack's eyes clear and he stops thrashing for the pain. Raina says that he's going to be fine, but she has to get him back to camp and get him some real help. At that moment, the sky begins to lighten and the sun starts to rise. Raina waits for the first sign of battle, but nothing comes. She starts to hope that the Romans have decided not to attack when she sees multiple streaks of fire light the sky. Basically, the Onagers have shot their first volley and the war has begun. Some notes. Nico basically says, you know, this is logical where he says that the Greeks own the ocean because they have an actual navy. But I was just wondering, do you think Nico considers the sea a safe place because of Percy? Oh. Like, he I knows know. that the Greeks own it because the most powerful in his mind at the time, his most powerful demigod, also controls the sea. I would like that. I like that interpretation of it. Yeah. And he has such mixed feelings for Percy, but he definitely, like, trusts Percy and would Yeah, consider... and he thinks he's strong. He just hates yeah. his feelings for Percy. Yeah. I was wondering if Hazel was, like, really upset when she learned that Reyna was an official horse friend. I feel like she was, like, in awe of it. I feel like Percy also is a horse girl. Yeah. yeah. Because Percy's he can talk like... to horses. Yeah, he probably asks them. He's like, so why Reyna? Like, I... there's so many what other candidates. Me? Like, you know, like me. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Just just randomly throwing that out there. It's not like I've been trying for years. <laughs> I'm the only one who listens to you guys. Well, those are my notes for those chapters. It was a lot of just Reyna just being a badass, but also the amount of like Nico and Reyna's chapters are so much darker the same way Annabeth and Percy's were, where they just experience so much more trauma and they have so much more trauma, so they do a lot more really intense things where Leo's is like yeah. bumbling around a little bit. Let me make an instrument. <laughs> yeah. All right. Got a couple lightning bolt round questions. The first one's about an instrument. So mine is if you created an instrument like Leo did, what would you call it and what would it play? Oh, man. The common mm. naming, it's kind of hard for me. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'd give it, like, a really stupid name. I'd call it Keith, and it would play, um, <laughs> just, like, I the, the song that I love that I think is super soothing in the same way that Leo probably finds whatever melody um, Calypso plays or sings is the um, Cornfield Chase from that Hans Zimmer does. Oh, you know, the one from Interstellar? I'm sure you've heard I've never pieces seen Interstellar. Of it. I'm sure you've heard it. It's like a very popular song. I probably have. Song. Is yeah. it like a like a instrumental? 
I like the instrumental part. It's not the original song is not instrumental, but I I listened to a piano cello version that he's released, and I really. For a second, I was like, "Where is that coming from?" <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I know this. Yeah, that one. I think I'd play that because I think it would soothe me a lot. I don't know if it'd actually be appropriate. Yeah. Like, I'd be like doing a fight scene, and it'll be like really sad, <laughs> slow music. But you could play that's it how the most inappropriate times. <laughs> Everyone's like partying and having a good time, and I'm just weeping in the corner with that song. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be what cool. about you? Um, I don't know what I'd call it. Keith. <laughs> um, I would definitely have some song that some something that just plays my personal favorite songs. Specifically, probably my Taylor's favorite Taylor Swift songs, mm. but like ones that aren't mainstream, that I would just rock out to. But I don't know what I'd call it. I feel like I can't think of a good name. Other than just like, names are hard. I even like naming teams when you're doing like school projects or even like trivia so at bars. Hard. So hard. I'm never funny oh on demand. God. Me neither. No. I don't know why I came I'd up with this question if I didn't have a funny answer. <laughs> I feel like I'm only funny if I'm like bouncing off of something on demand. I'm like I'm not funny anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Cannot be the root idea person. That does not work. Yeah. Yeah. I just call it instrument. Ah, good one. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Oh, my other question is, would you ever sacrifice yourself for a quest? <laughs> no! You're kidding me? These quests are so stupid. What do you mean I have to sacrifice myself? Get a god to do it. What else is the point of them? Come up I'd with be another the way. worst hero. They'd be like, okay, it's time, you know, you gotta do it for the people you love. I'd be like, no, there are a lot more powerful people who are a lot worse people that I think should die for this. In fact, I will kill them myself. (laughs) You're like, I would do that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually the villain that you're telling me to fight, so. Oops. Yikes. Would you? Um, Yeah, I know. I feel like it would have to be a very specific, like, it would be, like, specifically for, like, if my, if it was, like, you know, you have to sacrifice yourself or I'll kill everyone you love, then I'd do it. If it was, like, a villain that got really specific. Uh, but, but if it was just, like, a general, generally saving the world, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so embarrassing. It's, like, Oh man, I have to die now for this? This guy gets to kill me? That's not, He doesn't even get to kill me. That's the other thing. I have to die so that he doesn't kill people. Ugh, so yeah. embarrassing. And how do you know that they won't? Because I feel like villains always still continue on. Yeah. With their killing. They're always like, oh, if you let me kill you, I'll stop. And then they kill you and they keep going. I say this like I interact with villains all the time. I'm like, you know, we actually daily interactions with villains. Yeah, every every time I go out, it's just like someone's out there like, sacrifice yourself. <laughs> we have to be like, not today. <laughs> Sorry. It's also frustrating. I mean, for me, I've never imagined myself in any situation self-important enough to be worth, like, to be the reason people die like sacrifice worthy right like okay i'm gonna die and then what miss my favorite tv show you know that's not fair (laughs) i always say it would have to be very specific of like you know i will murder everyone you love if you don't sacrifice yourself and they're like about to murder them then maybe then i you know be like fine you can have me but i know but i also how do i know they'll actually give up I'd be nervous that my Aries energy would be like, oh yeah, I'd triple doggy dare you to do it. I don't think you would. <laughs> that would be horrible. They'd be like, I literally have a gun. <laughs> yeah, like, what about. is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like maybe well, I'd say yes and then try to trick them. That would be a fun project. <laughs> project. It's actually a side quest of the main quest. So you actually die for the yeah. side quest. It's my side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Tricking the villains. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question is, do you think it's more powerful to keep Orion's spoilers of war or disregard it? 
definitely disregard it. That's so powerful to say, like, I don't need this. I don't need this weapon. I am a badass without it. I don't need that. But it's also like he's someone who's clearly, I mean, he's a giant. He's not going to die forever. He's going to come back. How embarrassing would it be if I still have his bow? Like a reminder that he was killed by a girl. That's a good point. Not even using anything sharp. He didn't have his bow and he had to go go taunt you down and be like, can I please have it back? And you get to kill him again? With his bow? With his bow. That's embarrassing. I think that would be a great way, like the reminder that, you know, you suck. And that's what Orion should always feel. He just wouldn't bother coming back in that case. He'd be like, I can't yeah. be seen in this situation. Whereas, like, the bow also just, like, disintegrates. And he comes back with the bow. It's like you have to... And he's clearly not someone who is, you know, very smart, has no emotional intelligence. So he's going to be like, this is... Go- we need to fight again with the bow. What a pain. I like the idea, though, of it just, like, sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, I know like, it doesn't disappear, it just sinks. But it's like, you know, yeah. the, the one ring to rule them all. Some kid finds it. <laughs> brings her rider and washes up on some shore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the, the, the her speech of disregarding it is really powerful, but I think I would have kept it just to be like, oh, yeah. LOL, <laughs> look at this rapist. Look what I got. Yeah. I like that. I like that for you. Yeah. Whew. All right. Well, next time we will be talking about chapters 41 through 48, which is Piper and Nico. And also somehow is like the second to last Blood of Olympus episode. Like I'm, I'm, I don't, looking at the chapters, there's like an awkward extra two because we normally do eight at a time and then there's an awkward. So we'll either do like the last episode is 10 or like do two with the finale. I don't know. But regardless, we're like almost done with this book. Yeah, it went by and so fast. And it's still not it's, a little, it's, there's still a lot that needs to happen. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't remember this. So Gaia has to rise, so has to be defeated, some sign of sacrifice. I know Percy bleeds at some point, so that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. All of that in the next like 10 chapters, it's a lot. Yep, yep. I'm gonna be writing a lot next cha- episode. I know, yeah me talking so fast <laughs> <laughs> well if you're interested in supporting us you can find us on patreon the link in isn't going to be in the episode description as well as a link to send us an audio message you can follow us on social media at camp half pod we do like lightning bolt questions every week if you want to answer those i don't know why i said those so weird and mm-hmm. you can also email us at camphalfpod at gmail.com for any you know long form questions thoughts fun fan art whatever whatever your heart desires if you haven't already feel free to rate and review us leaving us a beautiful five-star review wherever you listen to us and thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time bye-bye